Hi, and welcome to Papaholics, the show where a dad and daughter dish on pop culture over a drink. I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. And uh, Kate, I am drinking, you know, from my favorite mug, the Your favorite, Route 66, the 66 mug. Mother Road's mug, uh, very, very black coffee. Um, I'm drinking a, uh, it's not very black. It's like the opposite of very black. Uh, it's a very milky latte. <laughs> and there's so, like a flower, is that flowers on the mug? Um, I don't know. It's like maybe kind of a floral indigo situation. Um, this mug is also a few years old, but it's big. And that's why I like it. <laughs> that was one of my favorite bands, the Floral Indigo Girls. The Floral Indigo Girls. Yeah. <laughs> what pop culture have you been consuming? Should we get started with? Should we talk? Well, I'll, I'll tell. I'll tell uh, something real quick. You talked about Slow Horses on yes. uh, Amazon Prime. I think it is right. No, it's on Apple TV. On Apple TV, and uh, it's really good. We loved it, and so I went back and got one of McCarran's books from the library and it's um they're very popular it's, it's one of those deals where like the first ones you have to you know get in line yeah, on the wait list right yeah. I got the one that's called Slough House it's it's very good it's uh his writing is very witty there's dial you know the dialogue is great it's almost entirely all dialogue it feels like and I read somebody that said you you don't really read him for the mystery plots. You read him for the characters and okay. the interact and um, the banter. Yeah, I would say that's very true. And since I've seen that series, of course, now I have this mental image in my head of Diana and uh, right. uh, Jackson Lamb. So yeah, it's pretty good. Sly House by Mick Heron. Yeah, I just finished it saturday or sunday the not the book the series so i'm looking forward to when the second series comes out somebody cool. missed the previous show on this we should mention that slow horses is about a group of m mi5 agents who have screwed up and they get sent to the slough house where they are giving meaningless tasks but yeah. ultimately then, of course <laughs> they they end up doing some real spying so right saving the day yeah, yeah. saving the day so yeah Cool. Well, let's see. As far as streaming, they were both really good, but also very heavy emotionally in parts. So um, I watched Anatomy of a Scandal, which is a short like miniseries on Netflix. And uh, it stars Sienna Miller, Rupert Friend, I think is how you say his last name, um, and Michelle Dockery from uh, Downton Abbey. And so the series is about a British MP being accused of raping a staff member and how it affects primarily, of course, it affects him, but how it affects the women in his life, his wife played by Sienna Miller for the most part. And so it was, I thought it was very, very well done. I wrote Dockery and Miller are perfect in their roles, women that have aspirational, quote unquote, perfect lives and how they deal with the consequences of a man's behavior. And I also really loved, we talked about this quite a while ago with, is it Sound of Metal? That was about yeah. Riz Ahmed playing the uh, drummer that starts losing his hearing. hearing. We talked about with that, how the sound effects are used to really put you kind of into 
his body almost and experience what he's experiencing. And so they did, they, I don't know who they is, the powers that be behind anatomy of a scandal. They also did the same thing. And I was really wowed by how the acting and the sound and the camera work all came together. Um, not just from one person's perspective, from several of the characters' perspective to help you really like, is empathize the right word? Yeah. To feel what they're feeling. So again, very, very like huge, you know, big trigger warning. If you have, you or someone you know has dealt with sexual assault and all of the trauma that goes with that, tread carefully, but very worthwhile watching, I would say. So I'm a little confused because when you said anatomy of a scandal, yeah. I immediately thought of the one that's with Paul Bettany. That one is on Prime and it's called A Very British Scandal. A Very British Scandal. I was so close. That one's really good too. Claire Foy and Paul Bettany are in the second series that just came out and I'm not finished with it yet, but they're so good and so, well, it's not all mean. They're mean to each other but you can tell how they were very like the chemistry between them in good ways and bad ways got them to where they are and it's based on a true story but again i'm not finished with it yet so we can like we can save that for later (laughs) right the very british scandal english scandal Mm -hmm. the very british scandal (laughs) true story of like a, a duchess who has an affair yeah so a British, a very British scandal is about um, the Duke and Duchess of Argyle. This happened in the, I think, 1950s or 60s. Without giving anything away, uh, you can Google it. She was accused of... Adultery? Adultery. And then the the court battle got really down and dirty and gross and nasty. <laughs> and of course, people have all of their... Um, own opinions about what a woman does with her body. So then it goes from there. (laughs) And so, and of course, if our listeners didn't know, I am of the opinion that it does not matter. And it's none of my business what a woman, another woman does with her body. And also it's none of your business what I do with my body. So polite, politely back off. (laughs) Oh, there you go. (laughs) So that's a look at two different scandal shows, both in England. I'm going to talk about something in this American. Okay. <laughs> we have one TV in our house, and my wife does not like to watch things that are violent or dark in tone. So if I have something I want to watch that's violent and dark in tone, I kind of have to do it whenever she's not here or she's doing <laughs> something else. So as a result, it's taking me years to finally get through all five seasons of Breaking Bad. <laughs> 67, you know, 62 shows, you know, which you could theoretically almost to binge, you could binge that in what, a, a week or something. But yeah, yeah. it's taken me years to get through it. So I'm, I finally finished it. Amazing show. It's available on Netflix. Vince Gilligan's crime drama, uh, of course, is about a timid, put-upon man who initially starts cooking meth with good intentions wanting to provide for his family because he has cancer, doesn't want to leave him in financial ruin. Then because of his pride and arrogance and his reluctance to walk away from his meth creation, he ends up destroying everything that's dear to him. Um, I have to say Breaking Bad ranks as one of the best TV series ever. It's 
it's certainly in my top five. Just an amazing cast. Brian Cranston, who up to that point had been known as the dad on Malcolm in the Middle, the sitcom. He's great as Walter White, uh, the very smart chemist who feels cheated by life. He's reduced to teaching high school chemistry as the series begins. And this is one of the most psychologically complex portrayals in TV history as Walter changes over the course of the show from this timid guy into a ruthless megalomaniac who will stop at nothing to get his way. Of course, his helper is Aaron Paul, is Jesse Pinkman, his former student. Jesse's kind of like a puppy. He just wants to be liked, especially by Walter, who he calls Mr. White almost all the way through the series, even though they've been, by that point, they've killed people and they've been... <laughs> business. And over the course of the series two, Jesse evolves from a self-absorbed addict to a caring man with a conscience who just wants a, a quiet life. Anna Gunn plays Skylar, uh, who's Walter's wife. She gets sucked into his criminal activities uh, while trying to protect their family. One of the beauties of Breaking Bad is that all the main characters are fully fleshed out. And that's true of Skylar, too. She sometimes does good things. She sometimes does bad things, but she always is putting her family first. Jonathan Banks, who plays Mike Armantrout, who's an ex-cop from Philly, who as the head of security for a cartel uh, connection, Gus Fring, played by Giancarlo Esposito, uh, reluctantly gets involved with Walt and Jesse despite his be better judgment. I mean, the list of characters goes on. Esposito as Fring is complex. He's kind of like the, the textbook example of compartmentalization, keeping separate parts of his lives different. Um, Dean Norris as a DEA agent, Hank Sh Schrader, who just happens to be Walt's business, uh, Walt's brother-in-law. So, of course, mm -hmm. that creates some problems, right? Yeah. And of course, Bob Odenkirk as sleazy lawyer Saul Goodman. And compared to follow-up series, Better Call Saul, the character Saul, is, he's more of a one note here, you know, having comic one-liners uh, while he's getting people out of uh, legal and mortal jeopardy. Much more flushed out in Better Call Saul. It's, and that's pretty amazing, uh, dramatic acting as Odenkirk shows the evolution of the sky from Jimmy McGill, who's sort of a uh, not a very good lawyer who just wants some respect into this really sleazy guy who does criminal things. The writing on Breaking Bad uh, remained consistently good over its five seasons. It bounced slowly, carefully developed uh, storylines with a, oh my God, what just happened moment. <laughs> <laughs> and the cinematography, this thing was is set and shot in New Mexico. And so you have these big vistas of like, tiny characters in the desert and then just the desert and this huge sky overhead. I've wrestled with what that means. I've wrestled, does that mean, is it showing humans' problems don't really amount to anything in this, even though this seems like life and death for everybody involved? Or is it about how lonely and isolated everybody is? It's, it's interesting. I noticed one of the most recent episodes that I, uh, one of the last episodes that I watched, there was a scene where Walter comes in to talk to Skyler at this car wash that they're using to launder their drug money. He is black backlit to the point that he's entirely in shadow, which kind of goes along with yeah. the dark nature of this character. 
I'll just say that if somebody hasn't watched Breaking Bad, like I said, it's, a, it's an amazing show. Definitely check it out. It's just as addictive as Walter's meth. <laughs> Breaking uh, Bad is on Netflix. <laughs> okay. Well, after that, let's see. I have a couple books I can talk about, but I have one more streaming thing. I finished Moon Knight on Disney+. Plus. Yep. It, the last couple of episodes actually made me cry. There was one episode in particular because the basically um, Oscar Isaac is playing two, perhaps three versions of, well, not versions, characters, um, we'll say. And so you don't know what's going on. Like, you don't know if he is like astral projecting or if he is imagining things or like what if he's crazy if he's in a mental in mental institution and so and again i don't want to spoil anything i think it was the next to last episode where things finally come together and you're like oh oh my god i wrote that i was very touched to see how the series deals with uh the things that we do to keep ourselves safe again in quotation marks mm. um how how it deals with stuff that happens to you that you internalize that you think is your fault and it's not your fault. And then outside of that also, it was just really nice to see non-white people in lead roles. So um, I did not look up the actress's name, but basically two of Oscar Isaac's characters can transform into Moon Knight, who is the superhero. It was basically like an Egyptian superhero, right? Mm-hmm. And so then as the, the, <laughs> I can't speak English, the further you go, I was like the longer, the length, the, the further you go you into go. the field, right. um, then there's more Egyptian, the, uh, can I say pantheon of Egyptian gods, more yeah. Egyptian goddesses are introduced. And of course, because it's not, traditionally what white people think of as white gods and goddesses which it's easy to do like it's easy to if you get into mythology to imagine like zeus or you know hercules or whatever as a white man um which they weren't i feel like a lot of us don't know about egyptian gods and goddesses because it's very clear that they're not white people and so maybe you don't identify with them as much anyway it was really cool to see more of that being explored and, and being represented and shown in ways that just make you think like uh, the concept of there being more than one afterlife. Like maybe my afterlife isn't, it's not going to look like what your afterlife afterlife looks like. And that's okay. Like there's not just one heaven. There's not just one hell, all that stuff, all the stuff that we struggle with being explored in the series was really fascinating and fun to me. And so Moon Knight on Disney Plus. <laughs> I don't have anything else to talk about, but I am going to tell a quick story. So a few years ago, my wife and I went to Canaan Valley, West Virginia. Uh, we were hoping to do cross-country skiing, although the weather turned warm and it was just slush, so we didn't really do it. But on that trip, we went to a place called the Purple Fiddle in Thomas, West Virginia which uh, was started by relatives of my college friend, Janice 
DePaulo lands. And it's a tiny little uh, place. And you go in there and uh, you can, you know, get stuff to drink and whatever. Um, and they have live music. But the thing is, it's so tiny that inevitably you send, end up sitting with other people. And we sat with this couple from uh, the, the Washington, D.C. area. And I don't even remember how this came up, but somehow we started talking about Breaking Bad. And the husband was irate because the wife was was just like so into Breaking Bad, like she would disappear upstairs to just watch Breaking Bad. <laughs> She's consumed by Breaking Bad. It was pretty funny. He was hurt. <laughs> Um, I will give a, I will give a shout out to the Purple Fiddle. If you're ever in Thomas, West Virginia, definitely check it out. It's a fun little place. I think it's okay to have, you know, if you're in a couple or if you're whatever, whatever your situation is, it's okay to be, to have your own thing. We forget that sometimes. You don't have to do everything together and like yeah. the same things and all that. <laughs> and there's also, you can always get another TV, you know, which you maybe, could always get well, another. Maybe, you can always get well. another you could always get a new husband or wife. Or <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> so you mentioned you have some books. Well, I have some books, but I also, should I maybe mention the Met Gala really quickly? Yeah. Sure. Before? So Met Gala uh, resumed being held on the first, first Monday in May. Um, so last Monday, I think. It's all a blur. It's just continued to be a blur. And so the theme was in America, like the lexicon of American fashion or something like that. And the thing about the Met Gala <laughs> is some people really, really hit it out of the park with the theme and there's lots of thought and it works. And then some people just show up in like a pretty dress or whatever. and. But that's the fun part about it is being able to be like, what was happening there? So for this gala, the suggested dress code was white tie and gilded glamour. And I wrote down <laughs> just really quick, like rapid fire. Cardi B was wearing Versace. She looked like a modern Hello Dolly. I was so into it. The dress looked like it weighed 100 pounds. So good job her for wearing that because I'm sure it was not comfortable. <laughs> And then let's see, two musicians, Rosalia and Billie Eilish, and then Maude Apatow, who is an actress and daughter of Judd Apatow. They all wore looks that uh, dresses that made me think of very specific Gilded Age paintings, like the corset and the very like drapey, you know, sequins, all that stuff. That was really cool. Sarah Jessica Parker's look is getting a whole lot of flack because because people thought it was ugly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh it wouldn't be my first choice but it did the theme really well so she wore a christopher john rogers look who we've talked about before and that dress was inspired by elizabeth hobbs keckley who is the first black designer to work in the white house specifically designing dresses for mary todd lincoln and christopher john rogers is a black designer and so i thought that was really really well done of a way to talk about um, Black history in America, Black fashion in America, and something that, of course, could get overlooked. And then finally, 
Riz Ahmed is getting a lot of flack because it was not a white tie look. It was basically looked like a work shirt, a t-shirt, jeans, and boots. And so that was an ode to the migrant workers that built America. Yay, Riz Ahmed for for um, coming for all the rich white people that don't understand <laughs> uh, what's what's you know going on here why they're rich in the first place and then i hope i don't screw up her name indigenous model kwana uh chasing horse she wore a turquoise gown but then her jewelry was all indigenous made jewelry and was all about you know connecting with the land and um animals and all of the all of the important things in America, not necessarily like, you know, a pretty dress. So I thought it was good. I thought it was great. I'll put some of the looks on our Instagram post. So Um, I have a question. Yeah. The Met Gala was where Kim Kardashian wore the Marilyn. Just let me tell this. The famous famous Marilyn Monroe dress that she wore when she serenaded uh, JFK on his birthday. Marilyn had to be sewn into the dress. It was so tight. So what did you think of that look on Kim? I think that it was, uh, it did what it was supposed to do. It got people talking. She and the rest of the Kardashian clan know how to get people to pay attention for better, for worse. As a person that loves fashion and the history of fashion and to be clear, she wore the dress on the red carpet and immediately changed into a replica of the dress. Mm-hmm. So that's good because, because as an arts person, I and a fashion person, clothes are made to be worn, of course. There's no point in having, you know, a dress that just sits in storage and, and, you know, you pull it out every once in a while and you're like, oh my God, so pretty. But also at the same time, that is a huge pop culture moment in the history of America. And so part of me was like, well, this is a little disrespectful <laughs> because, and also she, I had read that she dropped basically almost 20 pounds in three weeks to fit into Mm. the original dress and that's not healthy i'm glad that they didn't alter the dress to fit her but also at the same time i don't think that you should be changing yourself to fit into a dress for five minutes just to get the publicity um so obviously my (laughs) feelings are mixed (laughs) but it did what it was supposed to do so good for her i guess okay (laughs) We have about we have about six minutes. Zoom tells me, so why don't you mention a book and then we'll do the closing thing. So I it was a very quick read. I read a slow fire burning by Alice Hawkins. Um, she I believe she also wrote the girl on the train, which has been turned into or the girl from the train, girl on a train, which Something. was a few years ago. They turned it into a, a movie with somebody. somebody. <laughs> I think it's pretty blunt. One of the Emilies. So A Slow Fire Burning is a gripping tale of deceit, murder, and revenge. Uh, A young man is found gruesomely murdered on a London houseboat. And this triggers questions about Laura, Miriam, and Carla. How did they all know him? Who is 
responsible and why? Um, <laughs> it was because, you know, we know about my true crime obsession. Not that this is a true crime, but murder mystery obsession, we'll say. It was really good and really th- thrilling. Just a quick read and surprising. Like, I did figure out who did it before it was revealed, but I didn't like the timing was good. Um, like I wasn't disappointed that, you know, that at the start of the book, I already was like, Oh, it's this person for sure. Uh, like there was enough to keep me guessing to be like, well, but, but well, but maybe this person did it. I'm just saying like <laughs> this, 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 this. And so then when it did finally happen, it didn't happen the way that I thought it was going to, uh, where you figure out who the, the murderer is, but you can see why it happened that way. So, yeah. So that was really good of you. I was going to say if you want something light, but it's not light. It's not light at all. <laughs> and the name of that book again was? Uh, A Slow Fire Burning by Alice Hawkins. Slow Fire Burning by Alice Hawkins. Well, we are almost out of time. So, Kate, please tell people how, where they can find us. People can find us on Instagram and Facebook uh, at Papaholics Podcast. On Twitter, still, maybe, at Papaholics. Um, and then if they have, if they, you, whoever, has any uh, recommendations for streaming, listening, reading, you just want to give us a quick hey, hi, hello, please send us an email to papaholicspodcast at gmail.com. And I always do uh, pop culture Facebook posts to promote the show the week that we have a new show. Those are, those are total fun for me to research. So <laughs> please read them. <laughs> the things I learn, you know, it's just crazy. I, I don't want to t- spoil anything. I'll just say, I always learn a ton when I'm, when I'm researching them. But anyway, all right. Yeah. Well, uh, that's all we have time for today. So for Papaholics, I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. Go out and enjoy pop culture. Bye.